I've just finished a book you must read before the election. It's a great book, and it applies to how the Republicans will win if they follow kind of a a very simplistic game plan. Um, We'll talk about that. Also, the book is important because it does apply to yesterday's story. I brought it up. I brought up the book yesterday, though I didn't name it. One of the left's culture warriors has been given the hook for misdeeds, and the media is flipping out about it. And of course, she does bad things, and it's she's the victim. This seems to be the way things work today. And Maine, and Maine, the the state of Maine goes out to save democracy by implementing fascism. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you had a great day yesterday. So yesterday we talked about Mike DeWine and how this coward decided not to to veto a bill. By the way, that bill, it looks like it's going to be, the veto is going to be overridden. They The Republicans have a strong majority in the in the state Congress. So it looks like it's going to be overridden and he's going to end up eating crow. But we talked about yesterday how he decided that he was not going to he was going to veto a bill that disallowed transgender surgeries, disallowed drugging of children under the age of 18 for the purpose of transing them and disallowed men playing in women's sports. And he did it for the dumbest reasons. He basically believed everything that the LGBTQ poop emoji cultists spew about, you know, everyone's going to die if we don't trans all our kids. And that's why he decided to veto the bill. Of course, again, it looks like he's going to lose. But it's the typical cowardice. The typical cowardice. Well, there's a book by Clay Travis called The American Playbook, a guide to winning back the country from the Democrats. And it is a really good book. And it's something that he actually does point out pretty much in the beginning of the book. Republicans have to, one, stop being cowardly. They need to take a stand on things. And that's one of the reasons why yesterday I actually said, it'd be nice if Republicans just stood on something. For example, I don't think it's really a stretch to stand on, you shouldn't cut the penis off of boys, little boys. I didn't think this was something really that extreme, that you should you should stand on that principle and not worry about what people think. But apparently Mike DeWine did worry about that. He also points out that, you know, it's not like these leftists are going to suddenly like you. And by the way, it's not just him that points it out. Just about every conservative, um, Ben Shapiro, uh, Tucker Carlson, all these conservatives actually point this out. You, you know, you can sit there and do what they want, but that doesn't mean they're going to like you. Do you think the liberals at CNN and MSNBC like Mike DeWine more now because he's decided to allow doctors to cut the balls off of, of 14-year-old kids, 16-year-old kids? Of course not. They don't like him. They want him voted out. It hasn't changed anything. As a matter of fact, what it's done is it's turned off a lot of moderate conservatives and a lot of independents because we all believe that. But the third point that he brings up in the book, and he brings up a lot of points in the book, is this 
fear of losing who you already have. This is a problem the left has. The left, President Biden is afraid as sin to make a statement that goes against the left because he's afraid he'll lose his base. Meanwhile, he's alienating the rest of the population. Well, Republicans are doing that too. Republicans should stop worrying about losing their base by making a stand somewhere. They should make the stand in hopes of gaining people that never voted for him in the first place. And I have always said this was a a major issue with Republicans. You know, blacks have been de facto Democrat for since the 60s. Here's a reality of the matter. Blacks are de facto Republicans. Republicans just need to go out there and grab it. And maybe, yes, some of the conservative, some of the far right conservatives, you know, the ones that um, the ones that the left says are all over the Republican Party, they may sit back and, and be turned off by the that kind of Republican advance. But here's the reality. Those far-right white supremacist Republicans the left keeps talking about, they're very few, if any. And one of the things Republicans need to do is, and Donald Trump did do this, is walk up to the black community and the Hispanic community and even the Asian community, because a lot of Asians still vote Democrat for some reason, and sit there and say, what have they done for you? What exactly have they done for you? I mean, Donald Trump can do that in a forum with that Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson or whoever and sit there and say that, what exactly have these guys done for you? Because I don't see your, your, your economic viability improving. I don't see crime going down. I don't see anything working. And the reality is Trump can say that because... Trump actually improved the quality of life for black people. And I'd like to see Republicans do this. Trump does this very well. This is one of the positives I have for Trump. The problem is the media hates Trump. So they come up. One of the reasons I'm going to be very skeptical skeptical of this uh, list, this list about this Jeffrey Epstein list that's supposed to come out. And I even mentioned it yesterday that Donald Trump is probably, they said Donald Trump is on that list. I'm very skeptical of that list because it seems to me that this government is probably editing that list and adding Donald Trump to it. That's a consp- Is that a conspiracy theory? Technically, yeah, but I mean, why would I not believe that? If Donald Trump was on that list, why wasn't this released earlier? Well, it wasn't released earlier because he wasn't on the list. They added him to the list and then they released it. Not to mention, I don't think you're going to see anything on this list. Uh, Matt Walsh in his podcast yesterday talked about this. I don't think you're going to see anything on that list that's going to be anything new. Because if they really were going to release the list with lots of names of powerful people that are still in power, they would have released it already. It took them three, four, five years to release this list. I'm sure they've had plenty of time to redact it. They've had plenty of time to make changes to it. I don't believe anything that's going to come out of that list. Even if they come up and said, oh, Bill Clinton was listed 36 times on this. And I know I'm 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 rambling here, but that's okay. 
I'm old too. Even though um, Bill Clinton may be mentioned in that list 36 times, I, I okay, but we knew about this already. We know about Prince Andrew. I want to know who else is on that list. Is Hillary on that list? Is Joe Biden on this list? Is Hunter Biden on this list? Does is, does Barack Obama have something? I guarantee you none of that would be on that list, even if they were on that list. I'm not saying they are. I, I don't know. But I, it, it just, it gets really, I think we, we might see a surprise or two on that list. If it's released. I mean, it's Wednesday. It still hasn't been released. It was supposed to be released yesterday. God only knows if they're going to release this list. The fact that the judge said this list needs to be released early last week and it still hasn't been makes me wonder what they're doing with it, right? I mean, you have to release that risk. Okay, the day after the day after the judgment, release the list. Now it's been over a week. They haven't released the list yet. You've got to wonder what they're doing with it. I don't think there are going to be any real shocks on this list. I really don't. But going back to the book, the reality is we need, Republicans need to grow some balls and stop worrying about keeping the support they have and build new support. Because Travis points out, you know, the Republicans haven't won a popular vote. They've won like two in the last 25 years. I think George Bush in 2004 won the popular vote. And that was because we had a terrorist attack. So Republicans, what they're doing isn't working. So stop going down, the, stop running the same place. Now, what, what makes this book interesting, he compares this to sports, football specifically. He says that you're in a football game and you run a play and that play doesn't work. You don't keep running that play. And that's what Republicans keep doing. And Republicans have all opportunity because Democrats keep winning. And so they keep doing the same play. And we can expect they're not going to change. They're not going to change on the trans issue. They're not going to change on the border. They're not going to change their spending policies. We know what they're doing. All we have to do is point what they're doing. And we need to target some folks and say, look, this is what's happening, black people. This is what's happening, Hispanics. Because here's the reality. Here's the reality. I've said this once. I'll say it again. Blacks are natural conservatives. They're religious. They believe in a man and a woman. They don't believe any of that LGBTQ crap. They're family-oriented. They've got some major issues. And there are enough successful blacks out there for them to, to honestly not believe that you don't have equal opportunity. I mean, to sit back and say, well, there's no equal opportunity. I, I, I've, I've met blacks that think that. And there's no convincing them. And you don't try. You just sit there and say, I, I, debate, I debate my cousin all the time. Every time I see him, we have a debate. And every time we debate, there's someone with us. And every time we debate, that person that's with us just looks at him and says, uh, yeah, no, you just lost that point. I mean, the guy's a full socialist, um, full socialist, full uh, CRT guy. Doesn't know what CRT is. Never read one word about it. Couldn't tell you what it is. But full environmentalist, drives a Tesla, tried to convince us to get a Tesla to save the earth. 
And every time I debated the guy, the guy's lost. And it's because their ideas suck. The only good news is he listens. And he realizes sometimes. I mean, the guy accused me of, said, I, I owe reparations because I was my family was a slave owner. My family was never slave owners. My family didn't even come to the country until 1950. We had nothing to do with slavery. Matter of fact, my grandmother was an actual servant for, for a duchess back in Austria. If anything, she was a slave. She wasn't, but you could consider her a slave. But that's the kind of mentality. But the fact is, you keep beating them. And you keep telling these people this. And you go for that demographic. That's what this book explains. It's, a, it, it, it's not just a fact book where he just gives examples. He talks about his life. He talks about how he went from a liberal to a conservative. He talks about personal points of his life. I mean, I know a lot about this guy now just by reading this book. A lot of respect for this guy, Clay Travis. Um, it is a fun read. Sometimes you wonder where he, how he got to a point he's in. Though it does match, he does have to go back a few times. Like I just rambled off on um, this client list for Jeffrey Epstein. He does that in the book. He does a little more organized than I do, and it's easier to deal with, but simply because you can go back. But it is an excellent book, very entertaining book, very fast read. The book is a little less than 300 pages. I finished it in a few days. It is that easy to read. So great book. Go out there, read it, and then take a look at what Republicans do. Because this guy points out what Republicans are doing and what they need to do. Great book. Okay. Let's get to our dumbass of the day. And this dumbass of the day is actually our first story. So it's not a real dumbass of the day. So embattled Harvard University President Claudine Gay has finally decided to resign. Now, it took her a month. I don't know what took her so long to resign. She should have been fired, but she wasn't. And of course, she wasn't fired because she's black and she's a woman. Um, and basically, she she quit for two reasons. She quit because she refused to condemn for condemn students who called for the genocide of Jews on the Harvard campus. And she was found to have plagiarized over 50 different essays. Okay. She, she wrote these essays while she was a student. She wrote these essays for publication. She wrote one of her essays that she plagiarized was in her doctorate dissertation. Now, she released a statement, and it's an amazing statement. See if you can figure out what's missing here. It is with heavy heart but a deep love for Harvard that I write to share that I will be stepping down as president. This is not a decision I came to easily. Indeed, indeed, it had been a difficult. It has been difficult beyond words because I have looked forward to working with so many of you to advance the commitment to academic excellence that has propelled this great university across centuries. But after consultation with members of the corporation, now a couple of things, they call Harvard the corporation. That's got to make you wonder right there, and it is Harvard Corporation. It's a big business. 
They don't give a shit about teaching your kids anything. Anyway, continuing. It has become clear that it is in the best interest of Harvard for me to resign so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge with a focus on the institution rather than any individual. Amidst all this, it has been distressing to have a doubt cast on my commitments to confronting hate and to upholding scholarly vigor, two bedrock values that are fundamental to who I am and frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. So there you go. It's racism. Gret Gutfeld had a really good point. He said it twice. He said it on The Five and he said it on The Gutfeld Show. It wasn't racism that got her fired. It was racism that got her hired. She was a diversity hire. She was not the highest quality candidate to run for the universe, to run that university. And she never had written a book. She had never written a book. And she only published 11 articles in 20 in a 25-year scholarship career. And a bunch of those articles had plagiarized material. You don't get tenure at a university without publishing a book. This broad not only had tenure, she became the president of a university. How did that happen? If she was a white man, could she pull that crap up? No, she wouldn't even be teaching at Harvard. She wouldn't, he wouldn't get tenure. And so it was her race that kept her at Harvard and earning a pretty good salary. I mean, she's dropping out of this whole thing. She is still receiving a $900,000 a year, dollar a year salary. And she is no longer president. She'll be teaching there. And now, first thing, I, I, I think, if anything, Harvard really needs to re- consider firing her if they want any kind of credibility whatsoever. But as we'll see in a few moments, the media is really pushing um, that she's a hero and those Republicans are evil. Okay. I also want to point out something. Did you notice what was missing in this whole thing, in that whole statement? There's no admission of guilt. I mean, it's obvious. Professional professional um, academics have sat there and said she plagiarized. There's no question. It wasn't just a journalism. Chris Rufo that found them all. Chris Rufo didn't say, oh, there, there's, there's plagiarism. And then everyone said, no, that's not really plagiarized. No, no. Academics have said she plagiarized. There is not one bit of admission of guilt. Only that she's a victim. And no apology. Only that she's a victim. So the media is really pushing this. And the reason they're pushing this is simple. This was a diversity hire. Conservatives are saying that diversity is, sh- is crap. That diversity does not hire the best. And this is an example of this. But the media is stuck on diversity. And they've got a real problem because now their hero has been kicked out. And basically, uh, conservatives have been proven correct again. Now, mind you, she was never fired. She should have been fired. Okay. Here is MSNBC. Some brought on MSNBC. I don't know who it is. I don't care. Okay. Um, She's sitting back and she's talking about... uh, 
it's just a, this is a long interview, but it just shows you how far off the media is. And you can tell it, the reason it's long is she's just using word salad with keywords, racism, lynching, all sorts of weird things. So let's listen to what, oh, it's um, <coughs> Mara Gay is who's doing this on MSNBC. Let's listen to her rant about the victimhood of Claudine Gay. Um, the thing that really disturbs me is the unrelenting campaign from the right and from some mm -hmm. conservative activists to uh, slander, discredit, and ultimately, I, I guess, uh, you know, somebody used the phrase, uh, we've claimed a scalp, I, said, I think, on uh, social media, you know, to essentially unseat gay and other presidents as well. Um, when they don't like, uh, you know, the, not just the handling of uh, the horrific attacks on Israel on October 7th, the way that that was handled on campus, but really anything else uh, that they don't like about uh, not just these presidents, but actually what they would call wokeism on campus. Mm -hmm. So this is really an attack on academic freedom. It's an attack on... Uh, people who are pluralists and believe that you should bring people from all over the world together uh, of diverse backgrounds and that you, you actually have more scholarly rigor and, and more um, value can be uh, brought by having people from different backgrounds. This is an attack on diversity. This is an attack on multiculturalism and on many of the values that a lot of us hold dear, and in fact, anybody really who is around my age in their 30s who went to any uh, public, major public university or private university in this country, you know, these are values that are very important. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's why these presidents are under attack. That's why Claudine Gay was under attack. The fact that she's a black woman and the first person uh, who is a, a black American to lead Harvard uh, only added to their thirst to dethrone her. And, you know, those attacks, you don't have to, I don't have to say that they're racist because you can hear and see the racism, the attacks when people like Vivek Ramaswamy say, uh, you know, uh, okay, this is, this is a problem about diversity and hiring. I mean, this is racism as well. So there's a lot of different layers here, but I don't want to miss the attacks on academic freedom. And I think it's much easier to target women or women of color, um, but ultimately, it's not going to stop there. And, and yeah. I really hope that we can stand up for academic freedom, you know, no matter who the target is of these campaigns. That was three minutes of nothing but saying racism. It was racism. No mention of her plagiarizing. No mention of her not defending Jewish students from calls of genocide from other students. Only racism. They went after her because of race. Here's the thing. No one went after her until she walked up there and refused to condemn genocide. No one said anything until they discovered, oh God, she plagiarized. But that that is not... And by the way, she is... Uh, two things about that. One... She wasn't the only president that resigned after that, after that call, uh, after that debacle in front of Congress. There was a woman in, in Penn University that also resigned. A white woman, I might add, 
No one is defending her. I wonder why. Because she's not black. That's why. And it, we can you, you call us, I, pardon the pun, that's not what I mean, but call a spade a spade. You guys are defending her because she's black. That's it. If she were white, it would not. And then she mentions Vivek Ramaswamy. What if Vivek Ramaswamy was the president of Harvard and he was accused of plagiarism? Would she defend Vivek Ramaswamy? The answer is no. Because Vivek Ramaswamy is, is a man, a straight man. Vivek Ramaswamy is also not part of the victim class. He's an Indian. And Asians are not considered the victim class. Asians like Japanese, Chinese, Indians, they, are, they earn more than white people. They are the oppressors. They're not. So she wouldn't defend Vivek Ramaswamy if he were in trouble. But this is the whole thing. And that, that isn't it. I mean, the AP released a statement. Harvard president's resignation highlights the new conservative weapon against colleges. Plagiarism. Uh, it's a weapon? It's a conservative weapon? I thought plagiarism was against the rules. And in some ways, it's against the law. You can't do that. And of course, the community notes on Twitter point that out. Plagiarism is against the Harvard University rules. And she was forced to resign because of a series of breaches of the plagiarism policy. By the way, a series is, even that is a conservative statement. There were like 50 of them between 50 and 60 different instances of plagiarism. So you can see right off the bat that the Associated Press, you know who they're going for. And the AP also went after Christopher Russo, Rufo, who actually found the plagiarism. They said this, they released this uh, article. Christopher Rufo, a conservative activist who helped orchestrate the effort. He's actually not an activist, he's a journalist. He's not an activist. He doesn't go out there protesting or stealing TVs and Nikes from the stores. He is a journalist. A conservative activist who helped orchestrate the effort celebrated her departure with, as a win for his campaign against elite institutions of higher education. It's a campaign now. It's not that he, he's not going after anybody else. That's another question. They say it's a war against... Uh, education heads what war she got caught who else are they going after i don't recall and the reality is anyone they go up they have reasons but i can't even recall who else they went after they're not going after after the third person that was there there was a there were three presidents of universities at this con congressional hearing, they went after these two. They didn't go after the third. So continuing, a campaign against elite institutions of higher education. So, I mean, it's a campaign against the elite institutions. Um, no, he just said that she plagiarized. He ran it through a plagiarism machine and found she plagiarized. And basically, that's a journalism thing. You read what they wrote. And then he found out it was plagiarized. On X, formerly Twitter, he wrote, scalped, 
as if gay was a trophy of violence, invoking a gruesome practice taken up by white colonists who sought to eradicate the Native Americans. My God. Scalped. Okay, first off, um, he's not calling for violence against gay. He just thinks she should have been fired. Second off, a gruesome practice taken up by white columnists who sought to eradicate Native Americans? Scalping was not by the colonists. Scalping was by the Native Americans. The Native Americans were famous for scalping. Talk about rewriting history. I mean, this is a full paragraph of bullshit. Absolutely incredible. Ibram X. Candy had something to say when um, they, they talked about, when AP talked about a conservative weapon against colleges, plagiarism. Uh, Ibram X. Kennedy decided to say this. This is journalism, getting closer to what truly happened and why. And he's talking about the AP. The plagiarism allegations came not from her academic peers, but her political foes, led by conservatives who sought to oust gay to put her career under intense scrutiny in hopes of finding a fatal flaw. Okay, let me read that again. And I can't believe, oh, Ibram X. Kennedy, I gotta be honest with you, he's stupid. I don't care if he has a doctorate, this is just, he is a dumbass, and he just proved conservative points here. Okay? He said this, the plagiarism allegations came not from her academic peers. Here's a question. Why not? I mean, she, first off, it's not that they're even saying she didn't plagiarize. He's basically admitting she plagiarized. But it didn't come from their academic peers. Why didn't it come from the academic peers? You would have thought, well, the academic peers would should have caught it. She shouldn't have gotten her doctorate. She should have gotten kicked out of Stanford. That's, I think, where she went to college. When they found out that her dissertation was plagiarized. Why did it take a conservative to look at these things 25 years later? Her entire academic career is based on a lie. A lie that was held up by her, quote, academic, end quote, peers. And you, you're going to blame conservatives because we found it? It shows me one of two things here. That her academic peers are all ideologues, or they're just stupid too. And Ibram X. Kendi, who is also an academic and obviously an idiot, points this out. Well, they didn't catch it. Well, yeah, they didn't catch it because they weren't looking. This is our point. If it were a conservative that did this, you would catch it in a second. But Ibram X. Kendi wasn't done. He released a four-part a four-part rage. So his first his first one, let's see if I can find it, make sure. When a racist mob attacks a black person, it finds seemingly legitimate reason for the attack that allows for it to accure popular support and credibility, and which allows the growing mob to deny they are attacking this person in the way because the person is black. Okay, no. It finds a seemingly legitimate reason? Okay, so you're saying this looks like a legitimate reason, but that's not why they're attacking her? It's because she's black. 
In other words, he is going out of his way to delegitimize the reason they're attacking her. And by the way, we're not attacking. We're just pointing out she plagiarizes. And he's saying, hey, it looks like she plagiarized. He is saying by saying it seems a seemingly legitimate reason. He's basically saying, looks like the plagiarism is right. But that's not what they're going after for. It's because she's black. I mean, this guy doesn't read what he writes. And he's notorious for this. Where he'll say something that basically proves your point. Okay, this is his second part of the thread. That's how anti-black racist attacks have been justified. They seemingly, the seemingly legitimate reason. He does it again. So in other words, you're saying that this looks like a legitimate reason. In the latest case of Har at Harvard is primarily academic misconduct or plagiarism. The question to assess whether this is a racist attack isn't whether Dr. G Gay engaged in the misconduct. No, that's exactly what it is. So the question should be, not whether she's black or white, the question should be, did she plagiarize? If she plagiarized it, then it seems that your calls that she's being attacked because she's black, that seems illegitimate. And he, I mean, he is saying it. She did plagiarize. But that's not why they're going out. It's because she's, she's black. I mean, he, he's saying it. He's admitting it. Continuing. The question is whether all the people would have investigated, surveilled, harassed, written about, and attacked her in the same way if the Harvard president, in this case, would have been white. I think not. You're just wrong. No, he, they would have. No question. No question. Um, as a matter of fact, Harvard did do that. They got rid of presidents. The last president was a white man who they said sexually harassed somebody. They got rid of him. Then there was another white man who was kicked out of Harvard as a president because he didn't like the diversity thing. He thought we needed to get back to the meritocracy and get rid of this diversity thing because it was screwing with the academics. Specifically, he pointed to engineering. And they got rid of both of them. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't plagiarize anything. They said something the university didn't like and they fired them. How do you think Gay became president? She became president because they fired the last white man. This guy is a complete moron. Okay, this last part. It isn't hard to figure it isn't hard to figure out why the racist mob is cheering right now and saying go woke go broke and president gay wasn't qualified and the tide is turning against woke and DEI and this is the beginning of the end of woke. Well, here's the thing, it is. It is the beginning of the end of woke and I got news for you. <laughs> it ain't us that did it. You guys did it. Disney is taking it in the ass. We'll talk about Disney tomorrow. We got, we got some more news about Disney. I just found out today. But um, Disney is taken in the butt because people don't like their movies because they're so woke. No one watches them. South Park is making fun of Disney. Bud Light decided to go woke by having a man who thinks he's a woman sit there and pose with their beer. Target decided to have ball-tucking underwear for little boys so they can act like little girls. Target is now falling down. People don't like the woke. And they're not even boycotting. They're just not showing up. 
And it, it, folks got to understand it. Netflix went woke. People just dropped their subscriptions. I mean, that's not even a boycott. People just refuse to, to watch the shows. They, I, I'm not going to pay for this crap. I did the same thing with Disney. I wasn't boycotting Disney. I'm just sick and tired of gay this and gay that on Disney all the time. And I just turned it off. What they did, what Disney did to Star Wars turned me off. It had nothing to do with a boycott. I don't like what Disney's doing. But it's not a boycott. By the way, I want to point out that Ibram X. Kendi, he's being investigated. He's a race baiter. He is a piss poor academic. The guy had like a C average through college. But he's a race baiter. His name's Robert or something. He made the Ibram X. Kendi up. He's, he's a brand. And he's also being investigated for misappropriation of funds. Funds that equal about $50 million. Where he was given $50 million for his little, his little um, group over at whatever university. And suddenly that $50 million is gone and they have absolutely nothing to show of it. Not something like two papers in the last five years they have the show of that $50 million and all the monies are gone. And by the way, this is exactly what this guy, the second he gets accused of misappropriation, um, that'll be the first thing he does. Well, it's because I'm black and I have dreadlocks. This guy's an idiot. All right, let's take a look at this next story. All right, well, apparently you guys are just, the people in Maine are just way too stupid to be allowed to make a choice in this coming election. According to Politico, Maine Secretary of State Shenna Bellows on Friday defended her decision to bar former President Donald Trump from the ballot, telling Politico that he simply did not meet the constitutional requirements for holding high office. Now, mind you, this gal's not a lawyer and I've read the 14th amendment and a bunch of times and I'm not exactly seeing where she's going, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get to that. Bellow's decision this week to eject Trump on the grounds that he engaged in insurrection, violating the 14th amendment. By the way, that on the grounds that he engaged insurrection, he's never been accused of that. He's never seen a court trial on that. He he is not seeing anything on I mean at the Smith guy in Washington DC is trying to bring some things up about insurrection in January 6th, but it's not really insurrection. And he's probably gonna lose that trial in the first place. So insurrection, he isn't even being accused of that. So where is she coming up with this? intensified an already roaring legal debate over his eligibility to run for president and added pressure on the Supreme Court to adjudicate the matter. By the way, uh, this is obviously political. There really is no roaring legal debate. The roaring legal debate is, okay, how can leftists get him off the ballot? That's what they're doing. States like California are already saying, well, we can't really get rid of him. Now that's because Gavin Newsom wants to run for president. He knows that this would be a disaster if he kicked him off the ballot. But um, the fact of the matter is, it, there's no real debate. No one's having a debate. 
You've got to be accused. You've got to be credibly accused at least to even have a chance. You've got to be at least accused. He's not even being accused, much less convicted. Speaking with Politico, Bellows, a Democrat, cast her ruling as a matter of fulfilling her basic responsibilities as the chief's election official. Quote, I do not have the discretion to choose or decline to do my duty, she said. Um, in other words, fulfilling her basic uh, rule, her ruling. She's a king. That's what she is. She's a king. Question for you. Um, where's the checks and balances here? The governor had no say in this. She just ruled. Let them eat cake. Continuing, Bello said the state law requires her to make uh, the call on the candidate's eligibility to run for office all the time. And the decision, while much more high profile, fell within her parameter. Um, Well, I mean, you've got to see if someone is qualified to run. The president is qualified to run. You're making up a story and taking him off the ballot. Basically, her responsibility is to make sure he's like an American citizen, make sure he's 35, right? The minimum requirements to run for president. Not there to adjudicate whether he's guilty of something no other court has found him guilty for or even accused him of. That's what she did. Okay, so she sat back and she had a little discussion as to why she did this. It's, it's kind of interesting. So let's listen to why she did this. Uh, we also, I rather um, laid out that the record demonstrates that in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection and therefore was disqualified. I came to the conclusion that I could not, unfortunately or fortunately, wait for the United States Supreme Court to make a de decision. Uh, the main law required me to issue that decision, which I did today. I smiled because we were number one in voter turnout per capita in 2022. We are really proud of that. She made the decision. She she made the decision. I, I mean, the courts didn't make a decision. And no one can overrule her decision. King Bellows decided he was guilty. And that's it. He's off the ballot. Oh, of course. This whole thing is unconstitutional. This whole thing is partisan. It's really easy to prove it. Again, Trump was never accused of insurrection. The laws in the book on the books of insurrection are vague, and they basically apply to civil war rebels. Trump was president at the time. So it's very hard to say he tried to insurrect the government that he was in charge of. The other problem with the insurrection, he didn't say, he didn't start the insurrection. This is why they haven't prosecuted him. He said they should protest, peacefully protest. 
And that protest ended up a riot. He didn't say go over there and rip apart the, the Congress. So right off the bat, the 14th Amendment here, I mean, you really have to stretch it out to make it apply here. And isn't that the Supreme Court's idea? Isn't that what they're supposed to do? She's not a Supreme Court justice. She's going off. She's not even a judge. And she's making this determination. He's guilty. And this is another problem with these people. Guilty until proven innocent. There is no, there is, everyone, no one is above the law. This is what Democrats always say. Yeah, but Donald Trump is below the law. He doesn't even get the presumption of innocence. He is guilty. We don't need a court. We don't need a trial. Let's throw him in jail. That's what they want. All this crap is unconstitutional. Now, she, she added more crap, which was, and this was an amazing statement. And I can't believe this isn't out there. Here she is talking to, I mean, two groups. I just can't believe. The ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center. The most leftist groups in the country. She's having this discussion. And in what she says is amazing. Let's listen. And uh, Secretary Bellows would love to hear about your thoughts on like our biggest threats facing uh, our democracy at this point in time. Well, what Secretary Griswold just said and named is something that was unimaginable two years ago or 10 years ago, and that is election sabotage. It is a crystal clear example of what's happening all across the country. So we need to organize to make sure we have better leaders in positions of power to fight back against that. Uh, Secretary Benson talked about uh, voter suppression and that's something that when we started our careers at the ACLU and Southern Poverty Law Center, fighting back about systematic structural voter oppression targeting specifically black and brown voters. It's rooted in white supremacy. That is something we have to continue to do work on. And Secretary Merrill talked about the For the People Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. We must have federal standards all across the country. And then finally, just to echo my colleagues, this is rooted in a deliberate and organized campaign to discourage people from participating in our democracy. It is an attack on our very democracy itself. Because when everyone participates, everything that we care about, social justice, climate justice, economic justice, we win. Those on the other side are trying to discourage people from participating. That's what this really is about. We have to fight back to protect our democracy, to protect everything. In other words, she's a great leader. She knows what a great leader is. Because if a great leader... A great leader has to think like she thinks. So Donald Trump's not a great leader because he's a conservative and he must be Hitler. Okay, and election sabotage and voter suppression, isn't that what she's doing? So you need to get rid of Trump off the ballot where 50% of the state probably wants Trump because Maine isn't economically a disaster and she takes trump off the ballot because of election sabotage and voter suppression well she is sabotaging the election because suddenly you don't have the main candidate on the ballot because she took him off unilaterally and by the way she says we in her first statement she said well we came up with but notice she does say well i took him off 
And she said it twice. And voter suppressant, aren't you suppressing the vote? You're taking away, you're not letting me vote for Donald Trump. In other words, we have to destroy democracy to save democracy. It is the twisted logic of the left. Twisted logic, which by the way, is evil. It's satanic level logic. It's the two plus two is five logic. It's the right is left, the left is right logic. It is a man can become a woman and get pregnant kind of logic. We must implement fascism to get rid of democracy. Now, here's the thing, and I, I don't know why this isn't being pushed. She thinks you people are too stupid to vote for Donald Trump, to vote. Because you might vote for Donald Trump. You're too stupid. We must take him away. This is pure corruption. This is communism. This is dictatorship. I know they like to use the word fascism. I don't like using that word because I think fascism is an economic system. But whatever. This is fascism. According to their definition. Now, what's really scary about this whole thing? Sure looks like this election is going to be rigged. I mean, if Donald Trump loses this election, you're going to have, we may be talking about that civil war we've been talking about. We may have it now. So we'll have to see. I hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.